from Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are talking about women's leadership today with someone who has worn many hats leading our organic movement, Sylvia Burgos Toughness. Be involved, share your story, and take hold of an issue you feel strongly about because she's learned it takes a lot of passion and energy to get things to change. Sylvia grew up in a food-loving Puerto Rican community in the South Bronx and today is the farmer at Bull Brook Keep. She co-hosts and produces Deep Roots Radio and also serves on the board of Moses. Sylvia and her husband David raise 100% grass-fed beef in Amory, Wisconsin, and she's worn many hats before then, including being a television reporter and working in public relations, all skills that partner well with her farm business today. We are back with Sylvia Burgos Toughness, uh, talking this time about a topic near and dear, I know, to both of our hearts, Sylvia, of women committed to organics in more leadership roles and having our voices heard at the table and changing things, bottom line, because we obviously see more women farming, we see more women in the organic movement, but we need more leadership for policy, for dollars, for that farm bill, our pet topic to change, right? And I know you've you've taken on a variety of roles in that realm. I mean, here at Moses, serving on the board and right. others as well. And and what 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 maybe you can just give us a little the quick resume of some of the things okay. you've done. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I think the first spot was uh, of board service was with the Wedge Community Co-op mm. in, in Minneapolis. And that was uh, a very welcome, boy, uh, service. I really loved that to see, you know, it's probably the nation's most profitable food co-op at a time. This was many years ago when it was beginning to make some changes in order to be able to expand. Um, that was so instructional for me, but it was also very rewarding that there were other women on that board. And certainly when we take a look at the Twin Cities, the Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, food co-op population, it's one of the most dense in the United States as well. We've got more food co-ops per capita than any place else. And women have been at the forefront of that from the very beginning. So it's been wonderful to see. And certainly just having women there helps shape what their the personalities of those shops are, what kind of policies they have, and, and just how they cooperative can Cooperative philosophy is well-suited. But that's a really good point, though, to start on a board participation level on a food co-op board, because you can't go wrong, right? I mean, no. and they're always looking for good new voices and things. Right. And not everybody's going to be a farmer. Yeah. But certainly most of us, whether, no, let me change that. All of us are food consumers. And so we can certainly bring our presence and our uh, perspectives to a board. 
and work in collaboration with others on the board to help make every one of those co-ops better. So that's one place, and that's certainly where I started. I wasn't farming. I was living in the city at that time. Um, I'm also, I've also been on the board of uh, Moses, which I'm, for which I'm just thrilled, also of the Hungry Turtle Institute, um, the Farm Table Foundation, and the Hungry Turtle Farmers Cooperative, which are all entities associated with a, a food hub in Amory, Wisconsin. Uh, women have been part of that effort from the get-go, and um, the, the leadership in many of these uh, boards are women. The Hungry Turtle Farmers Cooperative um, is, as you might get from the sound of the, the words, it is a cooperative of farmers. Uh, many of them are very young farmers uh, that have come into the Amory area specifically to do certified organic farming in association with the Food Hub. So it has attracted farmers from other parts of the state, other parts of the upper Midwest, and other parts of the United States in order to really uh, reshape and reclaim more of a local cuisine based on local certified organic production. A big effort, a huge effort, as most food hubs are all across the United States, multi-year effort. And uh, it's been marvelous just to see the young farmers coming into that. As far as other kinds of leadership positioning, though, goes, policy is a big deal to me. Um, public policy, whether it's on the federal level, county, or, or more local, because it is the warp and weft that really determines how we can operate our farms. And we do need women's voices and women's participation to lead in those policy shaping areas. I'm very um, awestruck by the women that, uh, Lisa, you've gathered together at your various activities that are now running for office. It's critical. It is absolutely critical. And one of the things I just find, uh, I mean, it makes me chuckle, um, is that some of these women are at an age where they're saying, yes, I'm going to put myself out there because what are you going to do to me? And certainly that is a position that I encourage um, any farm woman, any consumer woman who is of an age where she can take that position to do it. We have a lot of weight that we can add to the fight because Nobody's going to take anything from us. We, we, you know, we're at an age where we've raised the kids, we have the time, but also the audacity. I'll just put it out there to say. And I think we're just stop getting me. tired. <laughs> I like stop. Set up. Time for change. Yeah. Um, I have been just so. Uh, awed by the women that I've seen recently going for office um, who have, you know, led other groups, men and women, to state capitals in order to lobby for uh, truth and labeling, anti-GMO, which 
I believe has to be there. Hey, you know what? If you want to drink your GMOs, you're welcome to it. But I'd like it labeled so I can make my choices. So we need to have... It seems so obvious. I know. You know, how many other countries around the world have done this and we can't seem to have the wherewithal to do it? Well, that's a lack of will because it can be done. And I think that many of the women leaders who are either coming strictly from agronomy or coming from consumer backgrounds are going to demand this. They do have the will. And that can be a real game changer too, because in many cases, it's that woman to woman message of women like yourself who are growing things, uh, women who are advocating and educating about labeling and organics to women, other moms, other women who are buying. Well, women remain the, the, the largest proportion of buyers of food for a household. Across all economic levels. It's Across not a, yeah. all economic That's power levels. that we need to And that claim. is, you're, you've said it, it's power that we need to claim by reaching out and saying, hey, this is the stake that we have together. Let's do this together. You know, I think of uh, Tracy Singleton of Birchwood Cafe, who a has real been a leader in that real leader in that whole GMO labeling issue. Fantastic. You know, it just gives me the chills when I think about what she's accomplished just in the last couple of years. Um, when I think about your leadership in getting the cookie bill kind of addressed finally. Um, and and continuing that. I was gonna say I wish you were done. <laughs> but it's interesting because I think in all our stories, and, and Tracy too, for us as women to identify what's that issue of ours and just sink our teeth into it for the long haul. Because most likely, Tracy, probably you first to admit it, it doesn't just change. It doesn't happen quickly. And there's a lot of shades of gray there too, even on what change is. But to be persistent. And that is key when you talk about public policy. It's, it's an effort that is multi-multi-year. And so you have to find that that issue that is passion, uh, one that strikes your passion, uh, that you're passionate about, because you're going to have to stick with it for a long time in order to get something done. Um, certainly, what I do on the radio is not about public policy, but hopefully it, it, it's sparking other people to think, whoa, I had no idea that policy was affecting this. How do I get involved? And when I talk to policymakers on the radio, I say, okay, who do they call? What do they need to do? I translate that to the communications that I do on social media so that people can say, I did it. I, I made my phone call. I want to know how to do this. When it comes to pu public policy, too, um, one of the things I do talk about again and again and again is what does it take to reach out to a, a, an elected official and to have them listen to your point of view? And so... Um, one of my messages is don't send email. You have got to make your phone call or show up. Even a letter is better than email, something that's handwritten. Email is discounted. And so, um, sometimes I counsel women on how to make the phone call, which doesn't take long. We're talking about 90 seconds. And um, you don't have to 
you're not getting into a debate. <laughs> you're just stating your opinion and everybody will be very polite, promise, for the most part, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what people fear. It's like, oh my gosh, I just don't know enough about it. And what if they ask me a question and I don't know the science behind this? And you are absolutely right. It's about registering your opinion, telling them that I'm going to be watching your elected official to see how he votes in order to get something done. And I've gone so far sometimes in talking to the congressional aide because you're, when you make your phone call, it's not going to be, the phone is probably not going to be picked up by your senator or assemblyman um, or woman. Uh, you'll be talking to congressional aide and that's their job is to listen to you. And you can say, okay, take this down. This is my name. This is where I live because they need to know that you are actually a constituent. And read my note back to me. Oh, that's a great tip, Sylvia. Because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just being sloughed off. And they read it. That's great. They read it back. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, thank you very much. And I mean, it, it took a minute and a half, two minutes. And they were very polite, just as you said. But it's interesting because I'm always amazed that it's not like one needs thousands, hundreds, even no. even 50 calls. Just a couple will... Put it on the radar of our elected officials. And that's the, that's the wonderful thing about all of this. Whenever they get a cluster of five or ten calls, they think that the sky is falling on an issue because they think that, and they believe, rightfully so, that those calls represent hundreds of other people who have just not bothered to call. So your call really counts That's a great way to look at it. It's not just your call. You're you're actually 100 calls, 200 calls by metrics in the office. And they do pay attention. That's talking to congressional aides who say, oh, my gosh, we got five calls on this issue. They had to run it up the pole (laughs) in order to make things understood. So getting women into leadership positions um, in government, I think, is really, really, really important or in really selective agencies because we need to carry that message forward. Terrific. Well, maybe yeah. we can do a, a follow-up in a couple of years and we can be like, check, done. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're an inspiration. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.